It's great to have you with us from wherever you're tuning in from. For more information about Elevate Church or to contact us, head to our website elevatechurch.me and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app. We hope this message inspires and helps you to take your next steps in your journey. Hi, Elevate family. It's uh, great to be with you. Um, I was really excited when Mark asked me to come and just speak for you guys. And uh, the last couple of days I've been uh, binging some of your online services and uh, really enjoying watching uh, Mark and you guys have some great fun over this COVID time. So I hope you are doing well and uh, navigating what truly is unusual times. Um, today, as we get together, I'm really excited to be able to bring you the second week in this series, Staying Positive. Um, Mark spoke last week about optimism and just uh, having that positivity, which can be really challenging when things are um, uncertain, when things are changing constantly. And so today, as we gather, I'm gonna talk to you about the cure for complaining. Um, now, if you're naturally optimistic, which uh, some of you will be, you might find this a bit of a strange topic, but there are some of us out there who are probably err on the side of negativity and uh, pessimism and uh, staying positive can actually be a bit more of a challenge. Um, recently at work um, through Churches of Christ Sport and Rec where I am, we did a team, uh, team building kind of space where we did a personality test to work out how we are wired and how we work. And uh, we used a personality test called the Enneagram and there's uh, nine different personalities and uh, it came out of no surprise to me on that test that I was actually an Enneagram number six. Now, for those of you who may not be familiar with it, um, the title for an Enneagram number six is a loyal skeptic. And uh, some of the words used to describe a number six personality type, which I was very clearly, uh, <laughs> it very clearly reflected who I was, are words such as doubtful, accusatory, fearful, uh, their focus attention is based upon what could go wrong, worst case scenarios and uh, how to problem solve them. And uh, if you know me at all, you wouldn't find that hard to imagine. And so when you talk about a series called Staying Positive, uh, for some of us, that's not our natural bent. Our natural bent is not to be positive in the midst of uncertainty. It's not to feel happy and excited when things are changing constantly around us. And that's certainly the case for myself. So please know today that as we talk about this idea of uh, curing our complaining, that uh, I'm speaking to myself. And uh, really a lot of this is coming from my own experience um, of how I handle change and perhaps how I resist change and how I resist things that, are, that make me feel unsafe. Um, and like I say, it certainly is more of a natural bent that I have so I can, uh, I'm certainly preaching to myself today, that's for sure. You know, I started to think about complaining and I thought to myself, why do I complain? What is it that I, you know, when I complain, what am I complaining about? And you know, really, as I thought about all the different times I would complain and the reasons I would complain, a lot of it really is because I'm not happy with how things are going or things aren't quite going my way. And uh, it was no surprise to me when I looked up um, a definition for complaining that it talked about this desire to express dissatisfaction, that it's an annoyance about something. There's this real sense of an issue of discomfort. And as I looked back upon myself and the times where I perhaps too quickly have something negative or pessimistic to say um, in group settings, in my family setting, um, I realized a lot of it comes down to the fact that I don't feel comfortable um, when things aren't going my way. I don't feel, um, I'm annoyed when 
things haven't landed how I thought or, you know, I have an expectation of what I thought would happen and something different has happened or we had plans and they changed and, you know, that's difficult to adjust to. And I'm not really sure why you might complain and why you might find yourself stuck in those spaces, but really a great starting point for this message today would be to really reflect even for yourself about why is it that you complain? Where is it that you most complain? You know, do you complain most at home? Do you complain most at work? Um, do you complain most with a particular person? Um, and like I say, I think it'd be different for all of us, but it's a really great starting point of, as we think about how we cure this sense of complaining, really to take some time to reflect and ask yourself why it is that you complain. I recognise that for myself, a lot of why I complain is actually very self-focused. It's really not very often about the benefit of others. And uh, I just was quite uh, confronted really as I thought about the different times in the past week I'd complained or felt the need to verbalise my, my annoyance or my dissatisfaction. And uh, it really was quite confronting to do. So I, I, if you've got the courage, <laughs> don't do it if you're a, it's not for the faint hearted, that's for sure. But I just encourage you to start there. And that might be, um, you know, after this service finishes or maybe sometime during the week, but don't be afraid to start there and uh, ask yourself why it is that you complain. You know, as I said earlier, you know, part of my personality and, and, and I suppose the way I approach life um, is I really do often try and prepare well. I try and anticipate things that are going to go wrong before they go wrong so that I have a plan and I feel prepared should I need to problem solve. And so today, as we talk about the cure for complaining, um, there's quite a few different chunks, chunks of scripture that I would love to bring to you. And uh, it comes out of my own experience of how God speaks to me. Um, you know, when I get stuck in my complaints, when I get stuck in my negativity, throughout my faith as a follower of Christ, uh, God has used the Bible quite a lot to really instill a hopeful sense um, of a future. And so there's no way today I could have come at this topic and not actually brought you some, uh, some chunks of scripture that I've just found really helpful and really encouraging. And again, you know, if you've got a pen and paper nearby, I'd, I'd encourage you to grab them because you're not going to probably grasp the fullness of, of all the passages um, today in this message. But I'd love you to write down the references. You might find yourself wanting to go back to them um, during the week or at another time. So if you haven't done so, grab a pen, grab some paper and uh, feel free to take some notes. So the first cure for complaining that I want to um, kind of offer you uh, today is the idea of being able to see things as they are. As I looked back on my own life and thought about why it is that I complain, I realised that part of it sometimes come down, comes down to a false assumption, a false entitlement, if you like, of an expectation of how things were meant to go, an expectation of how I wanted things to be. And, uh, you know, sometimes I feel like as followers of Christ, you know, we all kind of use this idea of hashtag blessed as a way of um, showcasing how as a follower of Christ, my life's just getting better and better, that um, I'm accumulating more stuff and everything's going well and things are going fantastic. And I think sometimes why we complain, even as Christians, is because we have an, an understanding or a false belief, if you like, that actually now that I have faith, now that I follow Christ, that things shouldn't be difficult and actually things should just be getting better from here. But I don't know how long you've been following Christ for or what your experience of life has been, but that just doesn't match up to my experience of life. And as I say, as someone who tends to be a little bit skeptical anyway, one of the challenges I have when I'm trying to stay positive is how do I reconcile the fact that what I'm experiencing about life and the truth of what I'm seeing, I can't just wash over with some kind of 
easy uh, focus on, on, on what's good in my life. So I've learned that I first of all need to be willing to see things as they are. Because if I'm looking through kingdom eyes, if I'm looking at how Jesus portrayed life in the Bible, it looks pretty gritty at times. If I think about the, uh, the people and the stories of faith I read in scripture, a lot of them were far from perfect. They were messy, um, they had messy lives, they um, made mistakes often. There was a whole lot of drama sometimes even around their story. And yet I noticed that God doesn't censor that. He doesn't, um, he doesn't polish up the story so that it's neat and tidy and perfect. And often when I'm complaining, it's because I'm frustrated that my life isn't going how I wanted, that things aren't working out how I would plan. But I wonder sometimes if that's because I'm just having a false expectation that life should be easy. The first scripture I want us to look at today comes from Matthew chapter five, and it's a passage of scripture known as the Beatitudes. And it's Jesus preaching and uh, really starts to turn some of the uh, thought of the day up on its head and shows how the kingdom of God is actually a bit of an upside down reality. Let's pick up from verse three, and I'm reading out of the message today because I love the picture that it paints. And Jesus says, you're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there's more of God and his rule. You're blessed when you feel you've lost what's most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one who is most dear to you. You're blessed when you're content with just who you are. No more, no less. That's the moment you find yourself proud owner of everything that can't be bought. You're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. He's food and drink in the best meal you'll ever eat. You're blessed when you care. At the moment of being careful, you find yourselves cared for. And you're blessed when you get your inside world right, your mind and your heart put right. Then you can see God in the outside world. And what I love about this passage of scripture is, I love the way Jesus is reminding us that if we want to live a life that's not full of complaint and not full of, um, you know, that kind of negativity and pessimism that can be really easy to get stuck in. The answer isn't just pretending that life's okay. The answer isn't just convincing yourself that things will be all right, but that actually what Jesus is proposing to us here through the Beatitudes is what if actually it's the complete opposite? What if these things that we see as kind of failures or we see as negativity and, and, and we see as kind of signs that we're not up to scratch. What if they're actually the gateway that lead us to the kingdom? What if there's a way of seeing things as they are that doesn't actually defeat us and doesn't actually push us down, but allows us to enter into the kingdom in a, in a fresh and a new way? I love that Jesus, through the Beatitudes, doesn't ask us to deny our uncomfortable feelings. He doesn't ask us to to pretend that we're living a life that we're not. And this allows the, my experience of life, it allows my humanity to still be a window to my faith, that I don't have to change who I am, that I don't have to pretend I'm not nervous or scared or pretend that I'm not seeing worst case scenarios, but that I recognize that those things, if left unattended, can shut down my faith. But if looking through the lens of Jesus and looking through the lens of the gospel can actually be a, a pathway for me to find a deeper faith, a pathway for me to find a, a satisfaction and a contentment that is really like nothing else the world has to offer. You know, our faith can be an anchor that allows us to wade through rough waters. And part of that at times is uh, not denying some of those bad feelings that we might have, not denying some of those awkward feelings or the 
the uncomfortable feelings, you know, the, the anger, the sadness, the grief, the fear, you know, often we kind of put them in a category that's bad and we just want to stick with all the good ones. We want to stick with the happy, uh, joyful, content, funny, um, all the things that are, you know, make us feel good. We want to, we want to stay there, but I'm not sure life was meant to be lived only in that category. You know, God created us with a full gamut of emotion. And, you know, just as the seasons have have cold and they have heat and they have flowers and they have, you know, kind of rain. And there's this beautiful picture of as the seasons go throughout the year that is not just one dimension. It's not just, you know, summer all year round. It's not just, uh, you know, snow all year round either. And I wonder if our soul has seasons with it as well, that there will be times that we experience more of a winter for our soul. And there'll be other times where we have a great time in the summer of our soul and I just wonder what it would look like for us as followers of Christ to have a real robust theology um, that allows us to not have to discount and discredit those hard feelings. I recently read in a a devotion um, of a morning time around sadness and and how sadness can actually be a a, a window to our faith. And I found it really challenging. And I just want to read some of that for you today. And the author, Mike Mason, challenged me when he said, you know, when you're angry, Ask yourself, what are you afraid of? Leave the anger and get to the fear that's underneath. Be courageous enough to encounter the naked fear without covering it up with anger. Then when you're good and tired of being afraid, ask yourself what sadness underlies this fear. Get in touch with your deep sadness. Feel it and you'll be free. Anger and fear both resist the gospel of love and freedom, but sadness opens the door's heart. And he went on in this devotion to paint this picture of how sadness is actually a beautiful uh, kind of uh, sister to joy, if you like, and how we can't have joy without sadness. And rather rather than seeing sadness as the enemy, that we could actually see it as an opportunity to more deeply enter our humanity and uh, allow our faith to actually have an even brighter expression. And now it takes a lot to get there, don't get me wrong. So, uh, but I'd love just to pose that to you today as we talk about finding a cure for complaining. I can't help but wonder if it begins with um, having the courage to see things as they are, not trying to mask them, not trying to glean over some of the hard patches in life. And uh, I leave that for you as a challenge. And then, you know, for myself, the second cure for complaining that I've kind of discovered as I journey with God is, is the idea of being able to see what God has actually given me. So often I can uh, fall into seeing the glass as half empty um, rather than the glass being half full. And uh, when I start to ask God to show me what he's given me, then I see there's a foundation, there's a platform, there's something that I can start with. Now it might not always look like a lot. It might actually look like very little. It might look broken. It might look kind of faded. It doesn't always, uh, you know, not always in the greatest place, but yet I love the fact that when I look through God's eyes and I see what he's given me, then I see something that's worth building on. Rather than being defeated and deflated by what I don't have, I can actually start to build on what he has given me. And it's at this point that I can actually partner with God because I can see what he's already given me and then I can partner with the Holy Spirit and what he's doing in me. And then I can actually relax and rest in the fact that the Holy Spirit promises to transform me, to make me more like Christ, that actually I don't need to do that work on my own. So what goes from being a a really negative, empty space can actually be really hopeful and can be really um, full of a sense of optimism as I realize that God hasn't finished with me yet. Although it might not look great, although I might feel like I can barely see, you know, more than a foot in front of me, I can trust in the fact that God is at work, 
that the Holy Spirit hasn't left me and that there's work that God wants to do in me. So the next passage of scripture I want to read to you comes from 2 Peter chapter 1. Don't lose a minute building on what you've been given. Complementing your basic faith with good character, spiritual understanding, alert discipline, passionate patience, reverent wonder, warm friendliness and generous love, each dimension fitting into and developing the others. With these qualities active and growing in your lives, no grass will grow under your feet. No day will pass when it's reward, without its reward, as you mature in your experience of our master Jesus. Without these qualities, you can't see what's right before you, oblivious that your old sinful life has been wiped off the block, wiped off the book, sorry. And I love this picture that gets painted here of, you know, don't, don't lose a minute in building on what God's given you. You know, complement your faith with good character, spiritual understanding, discipline, passionate patience, and all these things paint a picture of someone pursuing that which God has given them. You know, often life comes at us in ways we don't feel like we can choose but in these moments, we do have a choice of how we'll respond. And we don't always respond well. We don't always respond in the best way we'd like. But we do have a choice as to whether or not we'll choose to stay there and whether we'll choose to complain, whether we'll get stuck in the negative, whether we'll get stuck in what's not right, or whether we can ask God to give us eyes to see what he's given us. Give us eyes to see what the Holy Spirit is doing in us so that we can partner him and, and we can trust in the work that he's doing in us. So the first cure for complaining that I mentioned for me was the idea of, of actually um, seeing things as they are and that being a window to hope. And the second cure that I've talked about now is the idea of seeing what God has given us, seeing how the glass is half full, if you like. And then the third cure for complaining I want to leave you with today is the idea of seeing God all around you. You know, sometimes I think we, we come to God and we come to our faith as a, as, a, as a checklist of things to get right or to get wrong. You know, and we go to bed at night and we, we berate ourselves for all the things we haven't gotten right. You know, we, we, I think that sometimes can be that root of the complaining, right? As we, we feel so, uh, so disappointed even in ourselves or disappointed in those around us, disappointed in ways we've responded. And, and that disappointment leads us to the belief that if we just tried harder tomorrow or if we just, you know, kind of uh, try to see things in a different light, then things will change. Uh, but I wonder if really what God's after is us understanding that our faith is far more like a treasure hunt than it is like a, um, a checklist. You know, what if we saw our days, I picture Alice in Wonderland, you know, when she, she kind of dives down the rabbit hole and, you know, I love this phrase she uses, it says, you know, curiouser and curiouser. And I just think there's this idea that as she goes down the rabbit hole and this story unfolds before her that, there's this story that, you know, at some level makes no sense at all, but it almost doesn't matter. It's the, 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 the treasure hunt along the way is actually the story that is being told. And for myself, I wonder if for my own faith, it's the treasure hunt of trying to find God in my day, trying to find God in people and then actually join him there. That actually helps me um, not camp at complaining over what hasn't worked out. Let me read you another scripture that I find really encouraging. It's in Matthew chapter six. And uh, again, it's Jesus speaking. And he says in verse 22, your eyes are windows into your body. If you open your eyes wide in wonder and belief, your body fills up with light. If you live squinty eyed in greed and distrust, your body is like a dank cellar. If you pull the blinds on your windows, what a dark life you'll have. 
And then skipping forward, it goes on to say, steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now and don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things um, come up when the time comes. And I love this passage of scripture because it just helps me um, begin to get curious. And I, I love just the use of the word wonder. And because uh, when I think about trying to find God in my days, it's this idea of actually being able to find places of wonder. You know, this is where nature can be such a great space for us. If we're, especially if we're prone to complaining and, uh, and kind of prone to getting stuck in negativity. It's hard to go out and see a beautiful sunset and uh, be stuck in all your negative thoughts and to be uh, stuck in doubt. And so I'd really encourage you, if that is a space that you find yourself stuck in, you know, take on board this third cure for complaining that I'm talking about, this idea of trying to see God all around you and uh, let nature be a great place to start because, you know, as you go for a bushwalk, as you just get outside sometimes, it's amazing how you can just think a little bit clearer. Um, I know exercise can be that as well, where it just allows you to, to kind of, to think into spaces that you might not, as you get stuck inside and stuck in your thoughts. But nature can be a great space to just begin to see God with fresh eyes, to begin to see and wonder um, about all that he's doing and, and begin to see him all around you. You know, I wanna finish up this morning with a final scripture and um, I hope you may be able to grab one of these scriptures. And like I say, I know there's been a, a lot of chunks here, but I just didn't know how else to, how else to give you a cure for complaining that just didn't allow the scripture to, um, to do what it does best in actually bring hope and transform the way we see things. So, you know, I'm hoping that one of these scriptures would have landed for you, would have resonated for you. And uh, if nothing else, take that away from today, take that away from this morning and uh, have some time meditating on that during the week, read it over and over. You know, pray into it and ask God what it is that he's doing. So let me leave you with one final scripture as my kind of uh, final thoughts to you this morning. And uh, this one's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And we'll start in verse 12. And it's Paul reminding us that we don't yet see things clearly. We're squinting in a fog, peering through a mist. But it won't be long before the weather clears and the sun shines bright. We'll see it all then. See it as clearly as God sees us, knowing him directly, just as he knows us. But for right now, until that completeness, we have three things to do to lead us towards that consummation. Trust steadily in God, hope unswervingly, love extravagantly. And the best of these three is love. Amen. We really hope you got a lot out of this message. If you live in the Perth area, we'd love you to join us for one of our live experiences. For times and directions, as well as information about our great Elevate Kids and Elevate Youth environments, head to our website, elevatechurch.me. And to partner with us to reach more people by giving financially, head to our website, elevatechurch.me, and also download our Elevate Church AU app. 